it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the most powerful city in the world, a new generation of conservative talk. Fair, fresh, fun. It's the Guy Benson Show with Guy Benson. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show, partnering with Christine Wyatt and Dan. My name is Harry Hurley. Honored to be filling in today for Guy on yet another very busy news day because there is no such thing. As a slow day in the news business anymore, it's it's true. There's just always something very, very big going on. This is a good place to start, and we have a lot of important content that we'll be sharing with you today on the program. A lot of great guests that will unfold one by one as the program continues. But let's begin here. Where do the midterm elections stand right here, right now? And if you're like me, if you don't believe in coincidences and if things that are happening that that clearly are everything from uh, some don't want to call it what it is, but it was a raid when people come in the dark of night in the very early morning hours and they have assault weapons and things like that. This is why you have the Secret Service right there. Uh, you're probably not going to see anything like this ever again. It's it's so incredibly unprecedented and over the top, no matter what your political persuasion is, uh, this is something that it never had to be done this way. I mean, they were negotiating for close to two years. What are we at, 21 months? I mean, it's just unbelievable that it is where it is. But let's talk about that, because how else President Trump did not declare to this point during prior to the midterm elections The Democrats and their friends in the Democrat media desperately want something to be the story other than the Democrat record of the past 21 months, because let's be candid about it. It's abysmal. It is terrible. This is a gang that went from two dollar a gallon gas to depending on what state you are listening to the Guy Benson show to five, six, seven dollars and beyond. We were energy independent. We were a net oil exporter. Every demographic was participating in terms of the best wages and especially for the dollar ever. And again, if I said it, and I think I did, I'll say it twice, 2% inflation. Now, when you take 2% inflation, good wages can keep up with something like that. Wage increases do not keep up with 8 and 9%, and right now it's about 85 was as high as 9.1, percent inflation. It just doesn't, it doesn't keep up. And I always say this, go find something that's only up 8 or 9%. I was talking to Dan about 10 minutes before airtime about this fabulous sandwich that used to be $20, and it's now $28. That's not 9%. Go find something, steak, chicken, anything. Find something that's only up 9%, and you found yourself a good deal. It doesn't really, I guess in some cases it exists, but I could go through a list of probably 20 or 30 things without even thinking about it that would be up 
10, 20, 30% and more. So all that said, what did the Democrats need? Let's be honest. After all, it's the Guy Benson show. And that's what Guy gives you every day, a dose of reality. He's, the man speaks the truth, lives it like it is in a world that's living like it presently isn't. So here's the truth. Trump is a boogeyman to the Democrats. They believe if they wrap the whole midterm into some kind of of Trump stew, orange stew, that maybe the unthinkable would happen. Because keep in mind, I know that there's a lot of people in the media telling you, oh, my God, the House is in jeopardy and it looks like the Democrats are going to win the Senate. Well, the Democrats have a great chance of keeping the Senate. On the handful of occasions that I'm here with you filling in for Guy, I've told you that. That was before any of this. I mean, you're looking at a handful of races, and the Republicans are defending more Senate races than Democrats. In two years, that's not the case. So I've maintained that the House is over and the Senate is still in play, but I would actually tip it slightly in favor of Democrats retaining. Although if this turns out to be a wave election on November 8th, Republicans will win both the House and the Senate. Here's another almost guarantee that I will give you. It's not going to be a two-seat difference. No matter what happens, House races are completely different than Senate races. My congressman is Jeff Andrew. Whether this Trump raid happened or it didn't happen, his fortunes do not change on November 8th. And then you go to the other 434 races. Very few of them, although I will tell you, look at where a Democrat in either the House or the Senate is not supporting, and we'll talk about this later on The Guy Benson Show, but you look at the Democrats that are not, and we have the list, and we're going to give it to you later, not in this segment, but when you hear the Democrats who are not supporting President Biden's school loan gambit, which he does not have the constitutional authority to do. And he said that, and so did Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi said it as recently as July. It's now August, friends. I mean, my gosh, how they flipped their script in no time at all. But anywhere that a Democrat is in a tight spot, they're against that. That'll tell you it's not good. Where it's safe? Oh, yeah, we're for it. This is great. How is it great to have somebody pay something off that somebody else accumulated and you give the responsibility to somebody that didn't take the loan out? In what world, in what America, in what democratic republic, which is what we are, we're not a democracy, but in what free market system, which we are, even though Democrats are now, keep in mind, it's no joke, Bernie Sanders is the leading Democrat for president in 2024 right now. Bernie Sanders, who honeymooned in Russia, an unapologetic socialist. So if you don't think the Democrats have gone off the rails and very hard left, then come on, as Joe Biden would say. Come on, man. So it's very simple. The Trump factor in the midterms, it remains to be seen because at the end of the day, I think people will still go into their polling booth or vote by mail, however they choose to cast their ballots around the country, and they're going to be voting their pocketbook. They're going to be voting the last almost two years. They're going to remember 
what it was like before the last two years. And that's always going to be bad for Democrats. But Democrats, listen, I give them credit. They have nothing else. They cannot campaign on their record. They have accumulated more than $4 trillion worth of debt. They have allowed more than 5 million illegals to come into this country. We have hundreds of thousands of gotaways. We don't even know who they are. Some of them are beautiful people that left oppressed situations for the, for the American dream. God love them. And guess what, though? Some of them are human traffickers and drug traffickers and just MS-13 gang members and terrorists, people who wish us much harm. So the Democrats' gambit is to make the midterms about Trump. They were hoping he was going to declare for president, and then they'd make him the issue because, oh, the president's declared. He's, he's on the ballot now. And, uh, no, not until 24, but, but we'll say he's on the ballot in 2022. And they would have had some case to make that. So instead, what happens? Does anybody believe that suddenly, a couple of months before Election Day, that suddenly there is some incredible imperative from the same people that have been negotiating and every president fights with the National Archives about what's mine and what's yours? And, and the whole act is administrative and not criminal. And President Trump can declassify any document of his choosing at any time. Don't listen to the pointy heads that say, oh, there's a process. Hey, there might be some administrative thing. But when Bill Clinton pardoned Roger Clinton on a day he was leaving, that didn't go through the administrative pointy-headed liberals for review of whether Roger Clinton should get a pardon. The president has the ability to offer free and fair pardons, and he did it. And he did it for other people that they didn't go through any tribunal of justice. Oh, yeah, I want to pardon my brother. Could you put this through the um, administrative code of uh, the League of Justice? And then if they say it's OK, then I'll do it. He didn't ask anybody. Mark Rich, your pardon. Roger Clinton, your pardon. Why? I say so. That's why. President Trump, no matter what you hear one of these liberals tell you, he ha- even if the documents don't have a new word on them that say, hey, this is no longer confidential or top secret because I've declassified it. President Trump can verbally, he can do it out his hiney, he can do it in, in a memo, he can just say, I declassify this. Now, I will confess, no doubt, there are administrative layers that usually would review documents and things like that and pardons, but it doesn't always go that way. And the power is absolute, and it rests in one president. So if President Trump says, I declassified all these documents I kept. I gave 15 boxes. I declassified these. Then guess what? He's got a hell of a case. Because they can't say, no, you didn't. Prove it. I prove it by saying I did. When did you do it? Before I left. While he was the president. So it is no coincidence. You just I think it would just be so silly to believe that this raid on Mar-a-Lago, and by the way, you're hearing all these people say Mar-a-Lago, Miralago, it's Mar-a-Lago. If you hear it pronounced anything other than that, it's wrong. So if you think the raid on Mar-a-Lago, where they, they got a, and by the way, the fourth um, 
amendment to the Constitution on search and seizure forbids a general type warrant like this. This warrant, I know this warrant is going to get kicked out. They got they got everything they wanted, nine and a half hours in there. They got everything they wanted. So even though President Trump looks like uh, the federal judge um, Aileen Cannon is going to grant a special master, well, they got it all anyhow. They looked at it all. And I, I really believe this. And we're going to talk about this after the bottom of the hour with the great Andrew McCarthy, great Fox News contributor and a former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. And you know all that because you hear him and Guy often on the Guy Benson show. I'm going to ask him about this because I really believe that when the DOJ found out that federal judge Aileen Cannon was pretty much, she didn't guarantee it, but she is likely to appoint a special master. Oh, all of a sudden the DOJ and the judge also said, hey, DOJ, give President Trump more details of what you took from him. Now, keep in mind, President Trump said, you took my passports. And then you had people in the liberal media, Nora O'Donnell and others saying, oh, no, no, we have great sources. They didn't take his passports. Next day, in writing, DOJ, yeah, we took three passports and we're going to give them back to you. Here you go. Trump told the truth about that. Here's the thing about Trump. And people don't necessarily agree with this right up front. But I ask you to consider the record. He's the one telling the truth, even though his bombastic personality and he's such a disruptor to the deep swamp and the deep state that they just villain make him a villain. But he's the one that's typically telling the truth. There was no Russia collusion. He said that for years and years and years. At the end, there was no Russia collusion, except Hillary had colluded with Russia. How ironic is that? They flipped it. They did transference. They did what they always do. President Trump also said they took attorney-client privilege documents from my home. Now, the leaks were, no, 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 no attorney-client privilege. Well, what do you know? Either late yesterday or early today, the DOJ, I think because they were ordered or in the process of being ordered to turn over more details to President Trump, what do you know? They admit they took attorney-client privilege documents. Well, why did they do that? Why would you do that? So what we're going to ask Andrew about, Andy McCarthy, is does that spoil the whole thing? There's a, there's a thing in the law about spoliation. You can spoil false in one, false in all. Is this whole warrant going to just get knocked out and anything gotten by it will be considered poison fruit? So, yes, Trump is a factor in the midterm elections because that's all the Democrats have. They cannot win on their record of accomplishment or lack of. Trump is a huge factor. And who was it? Uh, Christine was telling me before airtime. Ben Shapiro, I think it was, wrote something, a pithy tweet that I absolutely agree with, that they've made Trump the issue and that Trump is having an impact on the midterm. And at the same time, he said two things can be true. It can be political in nature, which this obviously is for anyone willing to embrace the truth. It can be that that is true, and it is, and that Trump being the record or the the focus of the midterms takes away from the terrible Biden economic and the Democrats' terrible stewardship of the economic 
record here in the country for the past what will be two years by the time people vote. So, yes, Trump is a factor in the midterms because the Democrats needed a distraction. They cannot run on their record. We'll be right back. This is The Guy Benson Show. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Welcome back. This is The Guy Benson Show with Christine Wyden and Dan. I'm Harry Hurley filling in honor any time to fill in for the great Guy Benson. Now, our topic this half hour on The Guy Benson Show has been the Trump factor in the midterms. Let me tell you how committed the Democrats are, whether it's Kathy Hochul, the governor of New York, telling Republicans to leave, whether it's uh, Charlie Crist. In Florida, telling anyone who voted for Ron DeSantis, I don't want your vote. Who's ever done this in American history? Or the president of the United States who promised to be the great uniter, President Joe Biden, who said this, cut one, Dan. We're at a serious moment in our nation's history. The MAGA Republicans don't just threaten our personal rights and economic security. They're a threat to our very democracy. They refuse to accept the will of the people. They embrace, embrace political violence. They don't believe in democracy. Half the country who voted the other way, half the country has been called out as a threat to democracy. It reminds you of, of Terry McAuffle in the Commonwealth of Virginia when he called parents uh, and the, the Justice Department, Merrick Garland, parents have no right and uh, domestic terrorists. Lindsey Graham said as follows, and he's absolutely right, cut 24. Most Republicans, including me, believes when it comes to Trump, uh, there is no law. It's all about getting him. There's a double standard when it comes to Trump. What happened with Hunter Biden is that the FBI weighed in to make sure a story didn't break for the 2020 election. We now have whistleblowers at the FBI telling Senator Grassley that they were told to slow down and back off Hunter Biden. And I'll say this. If there's a prosecution of Donald Trump for mishandling classified information after the Clinton debacle, which you presided over and did a hell of a good job, there'll be riots in the streets. It's sad to hear that, but Senator Graham is right because it would be so unjust. We have Andy McCarthy. Stay close. Much to do. It's the Guy Benson Show. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Talking about the issues you care about. Guy Benson. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show, partnering with Christine Wyatt and Dan. My name is Harry Hurley. Honored to fill in today for Guy, who will be back very soon. On the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline is Andrew McCarthy, Fox News contributor, former assistant United States attorney, 
for the Southern District of New York and the author of a phenomenal, it's a primer actually, Ball of Collusion, The Plot to Rig an Election and Destroy a Presidency. Andy, welcome back to Guy's program. Harry, it's a pleasure to be with you. Yeah, great to be with you, sir. And and let me just uh, get this right out of the way. The redacted Trump Mar-a-Lago raid search warrant didn't provide much, did it? No, it, it, I think you could probably say text-wise, Harry, that it provided more than uh, a lot of people thought it might. It, it provided more than I thought it would, and I, I didn't think it was just going to be uh, black lines. Um, but I think the reason we saw a little more, we didn't see the things that people are interested in, which is, you know, what is the full probable cause basis for doing this? And most importantly, I think what has people concerned is why a search warrant? Why now? Why wasn't some less intrusive method yes. of uh, evidence collection used? That stuff I didn't think we were going to see. But, it, you know, the fact is we know a lot. There's been a lot of uh, not just press reporting, but there's been, you know, government disclosures. For example, that uh, letter from the National Archives that uh, we found out about last week, which actually took the chronology of important events, at least from the government's perspective, um, from the time President Trump left office until the date of the letter, which was May 10th. And we know a number of May 10th of 2020. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm screwed. This is screwed the timeline up. It's uh, May 10th of 2022. Right. Um, and then we know a lot that happened after that. There were a couple of grand jury subpoenas, you know, uh, uh, some surveillance video, FBI interviews. So we have a, a, a much better timeline, I think, than people realize of what happened here. But we don't have the real guts of the decision making they did. Andy, when we think about a search warrant, we think about that it should be able to withstand scrutiny. It should hold up and be con- constitutional. And for example, and they're supposed to be limited, not just I can come to Andy and Harry's house and just take everything. Uh, Typically, it would be that they can search for certain things. The Fourth Amendment provides reasonable accommodations in terms of search and seizure. Is it is it reasonable to believe that a search warrant that was approved by this magistrate judge that covered January 20th of 2017 through January 20th of 2021, four years, and you can take anything you want, and evidently they did, passports, which initially the media lied uh, through DOG sources that either were were wrong or purposely uh, giving them bad information. Maybe they'll learn from that kind of Nora O'Donnell from getting burned on that. They took three passports. Now I believe, Andy, because of the likely appointment of a special master and Judge Aileen Cannon saying also hey, I advise you, DOJ, to give President Trump more details on what you took, because Trump has gone public and said they took my passports, three of them. Turns out they said he was a liar, but he was the one telling the truth. He also said they took attorney-client privilege documents, and now the DOJ has acknowledged that, haven't they, Andy? Well, yes, they have. You know, I'd say a a couple of things about that, um, Harry. The, the, um, you know, I... I when I first saw this, I thought this is about as close to a general warrant as I've ever seen. Uh, you know, general warrants were a really noxious, 
practice of the British government that had a lot to do with why we had a revolution in the first place. You know, this idea that if you had the authority of the crown, the British authorities could come into the homes of the uh, colonists and uh, and and make you know indiscriminate searches uh, without uh, having to particularize uh, evidence and particularize what they were looking for and the like. So that's why we have a Fourth Amendment. But then again, you know, the, the fact that we can say with certainty that the warrant, that the uh, passports were not covered by this warrant means that there were restrictions on it, right? It's not – it didn't authorize them to go in and take every single thing. But here's where it gets really uh, interesting. I think what gets them in the door is the classified information claims. But, you know, they also include here – the, and this is, a, a, to my mind, it's a dicey legal theory. They may get away with it, but here's what they say. The, um, the uh, Presidential Records Act, according to their interpretation of it, means that the United States government, not Donald Trump, is the owner of all presidential records. So anything that was a government record, they say they can take. Now, the, the fact is, when Congress enacted the Presidential Records Act, it didn't put any criminal enforcement provisions in it. Um, now, they think that they have this Section 2071 of the Penal Code, which they've kind of – kind of this was enacted after the Presidential Records Act, and they've stitched that to the Presidential Records Act and said, there's our probable cause for picking up every single document. But, you know, I think they're going to have some trouble with that if they try to press this point because, again, the Presidential Records Act didn't have criminal enforcement provisions. Um, but that's their idea, that the classified information gets them in the door. And then by virtue of the fact that the Presidential Records Act says that the documents belong to the government, not to Trump, they can pick up everything that had to do with his presidency, even if it's not related to classified information. Again, maybe they'll get away with that, but it's a very broad theory. Listen, very interesting. You're listening to Andrew McCarthy uh, on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline. The fact, and a lot of people thought this was a, just fool's gold. Oh, my gosh, and he's doing it later. If you're going to do it, you should have done it right away. Uh, going for the special master, I think a lot of people, Andy, thought that this would not hit a direct bullseye. It looks like, unless the judge changes her mind, that Federal Judge Aileen Cannon is is uh, poised, I believe, to appoint the special master. It then also gave Trump entry to get the DOJ told by this judge to give President Trump more details about what you took. And, and now, of course, we'd be naive if we thought that, oh, my gosh, they've just been leaving these boxes completely hermetically sealed and nobody's looked at anything because we're waiting to see if somebody's going to tell us, ask us in a week or tell us in a week or two uh, that, you know, you got to give some of this stuff back. You shouldn't have taken it. We're going to have somebody else look at it first. They have looked at everything they want to look at, haven't they, Andy? They have. They've not only done that, Harry, they've advised the court that they have. So there you go. So, you know, they now the second thing you said, I think, is the is the important thing. You know, temporarily, look, I mean, they waited two weeks to ask for this yeah. relief. And from the, you know, to give the Justice Department its due, it's not like they didn't tell the court what they were planning. They have right. a section in the warrant that says, here's what, how we're going to handle potentially privileged documents. Uh, one interesting thing about that, Harry, that I think people should realize, because this to me is a big legal issue, too, that they're sort of skating by. And that is in the warrant, 
And if you've noticed in the reporting about this, they only acknowledge attorney-client privilege. Now, Trump claimed executive privilege and attorney-client yes. privilege. So they're yes. jumping to the legal conclusion Excellent. that he doesn't have executive privilege over his own documents. Now, I don't know if their theory at the moment is that he doesn't have it as a matter of law or that it, to the extent he had it, Biden waived it or it's not effective against an executive agency like the FBI and the Justice Department, even if it is effective against Congress. They haven't told us what their theory is, but they're basically saying he doesn't have executive privilege. So yeah, I, and I, I don't because- I don't believe I'm not a lawyer and I know you are. I don't believe that. I, I know that's their premise because it has to be because they wanted to get as much as they could get. They didn't spend nine and a half hours there for no reason. They, they, I think they also wanted to get stuff to help out the January 6th investigation. There's a lot of stuff that ultimately, just like with Russia collusion, we'll find out. It's going to take a while, unfortunately. And I think that's a big point of a lot of this, to really mess up the midterms if they can. I don't think the timing of this is something that guys, listeners should ignore uh, I don't believe in coincidences. I mean, if you're negotiating president's fight with the, uh, the Ar- National Archives uh, since Washington to, to Jimmy Carter, because those presidents believed that those records were theirs, not the government. So this got this well, got they, buttoned down they tighter. Were. Yeah. So this they got were di- up until uh, up until Congress changed the law in the late 70s post Watergate. They they were deemed to be the president's property, but we haven't been under that regime for. Uh, you know, half a century. Yeah, but but and, presidents yeah, haven't people. lost their ability to pardon people like Bill Clinton pardoned Roger Clinton and Mark Rich. That didn't go through some some pointed headed liberal committee. Hey, do you think this is a good idea that, you know, this guy was doing this, this, this and this? We're going to Bill Clinton on his way out the door at five of twelve uh, on January 20th said, my brother, Roger Clinton, is pardoned. And he got guess what, Andrew, it didn't go through the committee and he he pardoned his brother, didn't he? And I say Trump has the authority to say every one of those documents I declassified while I was president. How can that be challenged? Um, probably here's where the here's where the challenge is, Harry. What the president, the former president is going to say is that under Article two of the Constitution, he has plenary authority over classified information and Congress can't tell him anything. And on the other hand, Congress is going to say, no, no, no. In the Presidential Records Act, uh, the third section of it, what it says is that presidents have the obligation of documenting the activities of their presidency, including major decisions like declassifying classified information, and that they have the obligation to preserve those records. So if he was in compliance with the statute – then there should be some documentation of the fact that he declassified this stuff while he was still president and able to do it. So that's what's going to have to get sorted out in the courts. There are some right now, Newt Gingrich is one of them, they believe that the the, the goal here is to have Trump indicted by a Washington, D.C. grand jury, tried in Washington, D.C., and convict him. I know that we're in a whole different bizarro world where things that have never happened all norms, it's, it's a suspension of disbelief. All norms are gone. Anything is possible now. I can't get myself to the point where I believe that they will actually charge the immediate past president of the United States for this paperwork stuff. I just I can't I can't get there. Can you? Yeah. No. Well, I don't think they're acting like they're going to prosecute them. I think they're acting like they wanted their stuff back. Yeah. 
Um, you know, for example, it wouldn't make sense, Harry, to fight as hard as they fought to redact out sensitive information from the uh, from the affidavit, like their sources and their witnesses and all that stuff. Because in a normal criminal case, if you were going to bring charges, what generally happens is you do the warrants at the end when you do the arrest warrants. In fact, the arrest warrants and the search warrants usually have the same probable cause affidavit because you do everything at the end. The reason for that is you have to give the affidavits to the defense in discovery, and that's how they make their motions to suppress evidence. So they're not acting to me like these are documents that they intend to disclose in discovery at any point. I think that they use the method of getting a search warrant in order to get in the door and get their stuff back. But there's a lot of legal problems with trying to bring this uh, as a prosecution. I believe if they could make a case on the former president with respect to January 6th, uh, they would pull the trigger and try to do that because they have a lot of pressure from the left to do that. But I don't really think they intend to prosecute them on classified information or records retention, especially given the Hillary Clinton precedent. Exactly. Yeah, we're in agreement on that for sure. In two minutes that we have, let's bring you into something we're going to highlight later in today's program, and that is the president and this decision to forgive all of this student uh-huh. student loan debt I mean, I'm not a genius in terms of reading the Constitution, but I really did learn in school that all spending measures originate in the House. I know as recent House of Representatives, for those I want to make clear what I'm referring to, and and Nancy Pelosi, our speaker, said as recently as July, it's only August, the president doesn't have the authority to do this. Even the president kept questioning whether he had the authority to do it. Now, they said $300 billion, then someone scored it and it was like $589 billion. And this is not exactly a, a bastion of conservatism. The Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania, and Fox News had this on Chiron's uh, last several hours, this is now scored at a trillion dollars. Andy, how, what are we doing here? Is this, is this possibly constitutional? Well, I, I knew you were going to ask me about this, Harry, so I waited to break news here. But I, I wanted to announce that I am forgiving everybody's credit card debt. There you in go. The United States. Thank you for um, that. But we because, love we love breaking news well, on the Guy Benson show. Hey, look, I have as much power to do it as, as Biden has to forgive student debt. So why not? Right. Um, no, it's completely unconstitutional. And no, he doesn't have the authority to do it. And he knows he doesn't have the authority to do it. This is a this is a, a, a sort of a bare knuckle power grab. He's calculating that no one will have standing to challenge this, that the court right. won't hear any any challenges of it. And then on the legislative side, he figures if the even if the Republicans take both houses of Congress in November and they try to invoke the Congressional Review Act, and and toss out this new regulation he wants to do, he'll veto that. And then by 2024, if we got a new Republican president and we had a fully full Republican-controlled House, by then the Congressional Review Act window would be closed because it would be two years from now. The, the thing about the Congressional Review Act is you can't filibuster it. So what they figure is that by the time they run the clock out, 
there'll be enough Democratic votes in Congress that they'll never be able to change this legislatively. He's probably right about that. Oh, yeah. We really are going to have to get a court challenge. And everybody's going to have the money forgiven. What are they going to do? Rebill everyone? There's going to be some new billing agent. Maybe some of the 87,000 IRS agents can can rebill everyone for, for the money that they've already gotten back or that they won't have to pay. It's quite extraordinary. Andy, thank you for a great visit. You're extraordinary. Thanks, Harry. You're welcome, sir. The great Andrew McCarthy will be back. This is The Guy Benson Show. The Guy Benson Show. More next. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show with Christine Wyatt and Dan Harry Hurley filling in today. Well, I will tell you I've had to watch the video a few times because watching Iris Bond Gill stand her ground dare an armed man to shoot her, telling him she has nothing to lose. She put both arms out. It it was like the movies, like somebody had a cap gun pointed at her. Ice in her veins. Other people might say, I don't know. Uh, How can someone how can someone do that? But it was remarkable to see. And you can't miss it. I mean, the video is is out there. And it really does show you how what's happened in our country. And I'm telling you, there's a demarcation line to it. And and the Democrat Party has owes the American people a big apology someday, because when they trash the police, the summer of love, defund the police, let violent people out within minutes, hours of committing crimes for them to just rinse and repeat and do it all over again. It is very, very sad. And in other news, Washington commanders, and it's hard for me to say that, Washington commanders, Brian Robinson, who is a very early round draft pick, a running back, he is in good spirits while recovering from an attempted robbery shooting of his own, and and he's handled it all very, very professionally. It says he'll be back with his teammates soon. This is The Guy Benson Show, a border report with Matt Finn next. Live from the most powerful city in the world, unconventional talk from a fresh, unconventional conservative, Guy Benson Show. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show with Christine Wyatt and Dan. I'm Harry Hurley filling in today. Guy will be back on Thursday. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show on a busy news day. Standing by right now on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline is Matt Finn, Fox News national correspondent. He's reporting right now live in Eagle Pass, Texas. Now, uh, Matt, welcome to Guy's program. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. And I, I want to hit the hard-hitting news first, then we'll get into the more lighthearted stuff. You encountered, I understand, a precious stray pup. I'm on the news, Matt. <laughs> I'm on it. Yes. You know what? Um, People really seem to care about the pups as well. I know I do. You know, um, there are a lot of strays here along the border. I mean, there's strays everywhere, but there are strays here along the border. And our uh, correspondent, Bill Malusian, his family actually adopted two of them over the course of the past year or so. Uh, And yesterday I was standing getting ready for a report and this 
cute little dog. He kind of looks like a Chihuahua mix. He was nearby. I whistled, thinking maybe he'll come. He came to me. Uh, really cute dog. Um, he's domesticated, it seems. He's trained. So we're trying to see if there's an owner around here. It's a long shot. We've kind of been reaching out. But at minimum, we've taken care of him. We're giving him a bath, and we're going to perhaps find his owners. If not, find him a good home. And he's done a few live shots with you, I understand. Yeah, so he was so – he was so um, I just keep calling him precious. He was so um, quiet, and I, I picked him up before my live shot, and he kind of just fell asleep in my arms. And so then I just laid him down uh, on the little tray that we use right in front of me, and he fell asleep on this like little desk right in front of me that we use on the field. Uh, and so, yeah, he did a live shot or two with me. Isn't barking, you know, isn't rambunctious, just a, a very precious dog and um, a very sweet uh, demeanor about him. So we're doing everything we can to make sure that he is going to be taken care of, and I assure everyone that he's going to be. I'm not going to leave this state. I'm not going to leave the border without making sure – and this little pup is not uh, is taken care of. And you can find pictures of him on my Twitter, Matt Finn, FNC. I love it. Yeah, and it's been uh, the source of thousands of likes, a whole bunch of retweets and quote tweets. So there are there is a lot of interest in this. And, and I'm doing it lighthearted as we now transition to the light news, which is really the hard news. But uh, in so much as this is part of life, though, because – parent uh yeah. children are separated from their parents you know and we're going to talk about it we could talk about it right now very young people the four-month-old the 18-month-old abandoned by smugglers in the desert this is a level of just cruelty beyond beyond comprehension matt yeah actually right now i'm standing here looking at a group of migrants who just crossed into the u.s they are waiting to be processed by border patrol uh, this is a younger looking group you know maybe some teens and young adults but we constantly see children, young children, who are extremely fatigued, you know, probably have a, a heat stroke or on the verge of heat stroke, maybe not a lot of food or water. Uh, and, you know, most often it seems like these children are with their parents. They're with people, you know, they're with people that are kind of taking care of them and holding them. But we have been told and we do know that human trafficking exists. You know, there are children who have done interviews with Border Patrol and say that they're not with their parents on these extremely treacherous trips. You know, sometimes parents give their children to other people, caretakers, perhaps even coyotes to get them here. Uh, and there's also even more horrific stories. You know, so whenever you see a child, it, it's alarming. And we see children a lot. I mean, very young children, some who look like they might be months old. Uh, just yesterday, you know, I saw these two children just draped over a man's shoulder, you know, sleeping. Uh, and it's it's so sad. You know, um, it is a humanitarian crisis, what, what we're seeing here every day. And the thing is, I say this, this is not a covert operation. This is not something secretive. Anybody can come to Eagle Pass, Texas. Come to the Rio Grande River and see what we're seeing. You know, I mean, this is something that's happening. Every single day I'm here, you see one, if not hundreds of people cross the Rio Grande. Uh, and it's, it's tragic. It's terrible. Um, and, you know, it, what happens is a lot of times, you know, people drown. You know, there's yeah. a lot of drownings. A short while ago, we saw this guy, you know, who really did not have a lot of sw swimming capabilities. So the airboat went out. People went on a regular boat. You're talking like five or six U.S. Um, you know, agents for this single guy trying to get him onto the you know, U.S. soil safely. And here's the thing is a lot of these groups that we see, I am able to talk with some of them. They'll tell you I'm coming here for work. I'm coming here for a better life. I spent every penny I have to come here because I live in a country where there's dictatorship, where I'll never get ahead. And I'm taking the risk to come here, you know. And so a lot of these people have good intentions. But then Border Patrol will tell you the gotaways, the mm. people who, you know, sneak into the country at night, the people who don't want to be seen. Those are the people that could be concerned about, you know. And we know that there's hundreds and thousands of those people who make it into this country as well. Matt, these estimates that we're seeing, and you're listening to Matt Finn reporting live 
in Eagle Pass, Texas, uh, a border report with Fox News national correspondent Matt Finn. About five million, maybe more. And you mentioned there's a large number of gotaways, and so we don't even know their intentions. MS-13, drug smugglers, human traffickers, I mean, you name it. MS-13 gang members, if I didn't mention that. I mean, so who knows what we're getting. But you talk about a country of, what, 350 million-ish, five million people coming in like this in 18, 19, 20 months. This is no joke. This is a lot of people, Matt. Oh, yeah, I mean, we're, you know, I have personally seen thousands and thousands. So, of course, you know, you do the numbers, you do the math, you multiply that by all of the areas of the southern border where, you know, migrants, illegal migrants can make it in. And you multiply that by the months. It's not, I don't know, nearly two years now. The Fox yeah. News has been extensively reporting on this. Um, I think the numbers are expected to be two million plus. It's, it's already there. Um, and, you know, we, we talk to these migrants and, and Border Patrol, and they tell us the message is, the message on the streets and all these countries is, the, the border's open. Get here while you can, you know, because you can make it in. You know, and I do interviews with migrants, and they say their messages to other people, uh, you know, this is dangerous, but it's not impossible. Yeah. You can do it, too. Yeah. You know, and the border is open. I mean, I'm watching now as, you know, uh, Border Patrol agents welcome migrants or assist migrants into this country. You know, so it, it is open and it's happening. And, and again, this is not something that requires, you know, cameras. You don't need to be a journalist. You don't need to be a reporter. You can come right up here uh, to the Rio Grande River and watch it happening in Texas on our southern border. And that was my next question to you, because we the, the, the company line and I know you're a news reporter and not an opinion commentator, but you're seeing it and you just called it what it is. We have an open border. The press secretary, the president of the United States and anyone else that speaks on his behalf, they will tell us, they will tell all of the American people that the border is closed. The border is not closed, is it? You know, I, I wonder what their definition of closed is. But, I mean, I have sat here now day after day and watched people, you know, cross right into the country. Now, granted, many of them will be processed. Some may be, you know, deported or returned, but many won't. You know, many are, will get asylum or many, as we know, will slip between the cracks. And, and some will tell you that's their intent. You know, and, and the big thing is the big concern or the safety factor are the gotaways. You know, I mean, those are the people who don't want to be seen. They don't want to surrender. They don't want to talk to, um, you know, processing agents. They want to get in here and they want to get in here illegally and covertly. And we know that hundreds of thousands of those gotaways have got into this country. I mean, I've done ride-alongs with Border Patrol law enforcement up here on the border. And, and, I mean, it's a matter of fact. You could see these people darting through the brush. You could see, you know, um, carloads, truckloads of people who don't want to surrender. And those, that's where the concern is. Also, all the fentanyl, all the drugs, yes. you know, day after day pouring into this country. So, I mean, it, I mean, define closed border, I'm not sure what it is. But as a human, as a journalist, I'm witnessing something that is open. And, again, our agents welcome them. They system across the river half the time you know they don't yeah. they turn around they bring them in yeah i'm going to go with matt finn i'm going to say open isn't closed i'm just going to st stick my neck out matt and say that open is not closed by definition and i'm going to say that the border is open and not just there uh where you are uh interesting to note and it's really uh garnered a lot of almost incendiary rhetoric uh, Governor Abbott decided, hey, this is just we've got to get some attention on this. This is unsustainable. Uh, we're just getting absolutely crushed by this. So we're going to set up a little program where we're going to send some of these fine folks that want a better life. I agree with you. I think most of them are in oppressed countries and have no chance. They want the American dream. They risked everything, everything they had and their lives to get here. I, I get that, I, and, and I, I understand that. The bad element that takes advantage of this 
is is our big problem. Uh, terrorists and some of the people that you have mentioned that surely over the past nearly two years have gotten in the ones that we don't catch. We hear about ones that we do catch from time to time, but we know there's X number that are in here and, and have bad intentions. So when they send a handful, and now it's it's probably several thousand, you, you have people asking for federal intervention and they need help and all of this. Now, look at what Governor Abbott's been dealing with. So compare that to what they're dealing with. I think it was a very good idea. I'm not asking you to give an opinion unless you want to talk about it. But I, think, I thought it was a very good idea because Governor Abbott put the attention on some of these sanctuary cities and sanctuary states where they shouldn't be complaining. This should be nirvana. This should be this is what we're here to do. And, you know, do your part. I mean, welcome these new Americans and and bring them here. Uh, but they're going bananas over what Governor Abbott's doing. I say, Matt Finn, you can't have it both ways. You know, and the governor of Texas, the governor of Arizona, I mean, they're pleading for the U.S. government to step in, for the Biden administration to, help, to step in and help yep. solve this problem. Because if not, it's going to keep going back and forth between the states, and you're going to see this feuding. You know, the New York mayor is saying that these migrants are being used as pawns. Uh, the Texas governor, Republican Governor Abbott, saying, hey, you guys are a sanctuary city. You should be welcoming them. We, you know, our border towns have hundreds of thousands of migrants. These tiny little border towns like the one I'm in have hundreds of thousands of migrants swelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so you should be able to accommodate, you know, a couple hundred thousand or a couple thousand in your major cities. So, I mean, you you, it's, you could see how all this gets laid out and how it's all happening. But, it, you know, it's what is the solution? You know, I, we haven't heard any solution to this um, from anyone in the federal government. It does not seem, you know, I mean, w- what we're seeing has been going on for well over a year and a half now, uh, you know, right. probably approaching two years. That we've so, Matt, Matt so, doesn't that mean that that is we are hearing that is their plan? Their plan is for the borders to be open and for exactly what's happening to continue to happen. If they wanted it to be something different, they've had almost two years to make it different. So I submit to you, Matt Finn, national correspondent for Fox News Channel, that uh, who also is uh, shepherding a beautiful pup, uh, who I thought was really good pose next to the Fox News Channel, uh, Mike Flagg. Uh, I say this is their plan. This isn't just a dereliction of duty and they're just – they're just uh, blind to it. This has to be their strategy, doesn't it? You know, I, I couldn't tell you. We'll have to get our Peter Ducey, uh to, to ask yeah. the next time he's in the yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go. Not that he hasn't already. Yeah, but. I think I, I, I'm going to give them credit for not being dumb and that this is how they, they have it all set up. This I think you can comment, though, on Matt Finn, and it is what what do you think about – you may have to do a live hit any moment. What do you think about at the human resource level – when you witness this this human resource phenomenon, I mean, people that some of them come here, they, as you say, they may have already had heat stroke. They're, they're thirsty as can be and hungry and, and uh, in probably pretty bad shape, uh, some of them. Some, what do you think yeah, you know, when you uh, see this? It's, it is difficult. It is, it is it's very difficult emotionally because these people, some of them look like they're about to die. You know, I mean, we've talked to obviously migrants who say they are going to die. We've had people drown in the river right in front of our Fox News crew. You know, Brian Yenis, of course, how people die. I mean, this is a deadly journey. We've talked to people, who, women who say they're assaulted, people who say they're asked for every dime they have in their pockets on the way here by corrupt police. The people get here, some of them don't have shoes on. And, you know, some of the people still have a smile on their face. They have that glimmer of hope, like, oh, my gosh, I made it. And as a fellow human, you can't help but feel for them. 
them, thinking, you know, look, for them to have gone through this journey, what they've left behind has got to be so much more worse than potentially making minimum wage for the rest of their life in the United States. They're willing to give it all just to do that. And we all know, you know, as fellow humans, that that is just such a, a – a, uh, it's noble for them to make the journey, but it's so heartbreaking to see what they're going through. And that's why it seems like this is such a crisis, because it's still being allowed. You know, it's still being um, – this is this is being welcomed. You know, so if, if the message – you know, you talk to Border Patrol, you talk to um, these, these migrants, and they say the messages get here. You know, and I – you know, look, at, I mean, as, as, a, as a human, as a person who wants to survive, you see how they uh, – why they're willing to do this. You know, to, to make it to the other side, but it's it's heartbreaking. It's devastating. It absolutely is a crisis, and um, it, it's it's sad to see. It really is. I ended on this on purpose because I wanted to sit back as a listener on the Guy Benson Show, not as today's fill-in host, and and hear you say what you just said because that was that's as real as it gets. And you made us feel like we were there to take it in. Matt Finn, good to visit with you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Pleasure, privilege, actually. It's uh, time to go to break. It's The Guy Benson Show. We'll be right back. The Guy Benson Show. More next. Welcome back. It is The Guy Benson Show with Christine Wyatt and Dan Harry Hurley filling in today. Guy, will be back on Thursday. So I've been tracking this for quite a few tournaments now. And even though the pandemic is no longer the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic is now considered to be endemic, which means it's going to be around. We've never cured a coronavirus in in the history of the world. And like the common cold that is a coronavirus, it's going to be around and we have therapies, we have vaccines and so on and so forth. So we're going to treat it like we can live and respect it, of course. And then if there's high risk, uh, we deal with that like we would deal with anything else. But here you have the case of Novak Djokovic, who I believe would already have another probably two Grand Slam titles the way he was playing before uh, COVID-19 and probably even more than that. So Rafael Nadal, uh, who they call Rafa, he sits at 22 Grand Slam titles, the most of all time. Novak Djokovic at 21 Grand Slam titles. And my favorite of all, the greatest of them all, Roger Federer, who I believe is going to play at least one more Wimbledon before he hangs it up. He has 20. So you're talking about Novak Djokovic either being the greatest or one of the greatest men's tennis players in history. Obviously, there doesn't seem to be much fat on him at all. Incredibly fit, and yet he doesn't want to put the ingredients of the COVID-19 vaccine in his body. He's very disciplined about what he puts into his body. And this is not a, this has made it that he's been unable to enter certain countries, including the United States. Now, keep in mind, he could come into the United States. He could be in the United States. An American would be able to play in the upcoming U.S. Open, but not Novak Djokovic, because we're not allowing him as someone from outside the country to be able to play. But yet we've allowed millions of illegals to come into the country, probably most not vaccinated at all. So you see the disparity here. And Peter Ducey, as as he's so good at doing, the White House correspondent, just asked Corrine Jean-Pierre basically this question. Dan, cut 34. How come migrants are allowed to come into this country unvaccinated, but world-class tennis players are not? 
Are you you're talking about which world class tennis player? Novak Djokovic. So as far, <laughs> you know, just to just since you asked about me about him, you asked me about him. So visa records are confidential under U.S. law. Uh, therefore, the U.S. government cannot uh, discuss the details of individual visa cases. Uh, due to privacy reasons, the U.S. government also does not comment on medical information of individual travelers as it relates to uh, the tennis, uh, the tennis play, uh, player. There you have it. There you have it. The, uh, the old-fashioned EFIS pitch, the old-fashioned non-answer answer. But yet they talk about everything they want to talk about from that lectern. Anything they want to talk about. They trash Trump. They do anything they want to do. They get political. Then they say, oh, we can't talk about that uh, today or yesterday, about this, that, or the other. Peter Ducey, great job. You got your answer from the White House press secretary. They have no answer. It's that unjust. This is The Guy Benson Show. You're listening to a new generation of talk, Guy Benson. Welcome back. It is the Guy Benson Show without Guy, but that ends soon. Guy will be back in the very near future. On Thursday, Harry Hurley filling in today, of course, with Christine White and Dan. This is the Guy Benson Show. And on the Guy Benson Show, Newsmaker Hotline is Liz Peak, Fox News contributor, columnist for foxnews.com. Another Liz Peak column that we're going to talk about second. Uh, another column that Liz has written that I completely agree with and part of our interview earlier in today's program with Andrew McCarthy really touches upon uh, what um, Liz and I will be talking about a little bit later in the segment. But first, welcome, Liz. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Good to talk with you. Let's start on this uh, President Biden student loan relief, which from from my tiny chair uh, is completely unconstitutional. My Wonderful history teachers taught me that all spending measures originate in the House of Representatives. Our esteemed Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, as recently as July, and I remind guys, listeners, it is still August, so it's not a long time ago, uh, that the president doesn't have the authority to do this. Even the president questioned whether he had the authority to do it. I'm also concerned, well, it's, its unconstitutionality should be enough to be concerned about, but when they tell you it's $300 billion, earlier last week I said on the Guy Benson show that it's not going to be $300 billion. It's not going to be $500 billion. It's going to be a trillion dollars. And the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania has estimated it today. This has been big news on Fox News today to be a trillion dollar spending program. So it's unconstitutional, in my opinion, and the size of it is outrageous. What do you say? Well, I think that sums it up pretty well. Plus, I think it's therefore politically stupid because what is the number one concern of voters right now? It is inflation. And even Democrat economists like Larry Summers and Jason Furman have come out and say, yeah, this is inflationary. So what what I think is sort of boneheaded is the Democrats are, are really signaling here that they really no longer care about blue-collar, middle America uh, this is a bill, or bill, it's not even a bill, it's an, electro, uh, an um, executive order that basically favors uh, college graduates, people going to college. 62% of the country is not college graduates. So 
it's a minority of the country that they're helping. The rest of the country is going to be pretty peeved because, you know, really, I go back to James Carville's description of the Democrat Party being guided by doofus, you know, coastal elites who want to write dictionaries or something. I mean, that's kind of about right. And clearly, this bill is not targeting the traditional Democratic voter. Uh, They've given up on that. It seems like they've ceded that voter to the Republican Party. And I and I think this is just another big <clears throat> slap in the face to the people who used to and so, who, who traditionally supported their party. So, yeah, I think it is illegal, uh, just as the courts have slapped down the EPA for overreach in trying to completely remodel our power industries or OSHA for telling uh, big companies that they have to mandate vaccines for their employees. I think this will go to the courts any minute now, I presume, uh, and I think it'll be deemed illegal. It's just too much money. I mean, to your point, you know, if it were, frankly, $40 billion, maybe the executive branch could get away with it. Uh, no way if it's half a trillion, which is what the Penn uh, people said, or even more. Well, I think they're saying today, Wharton Penn is saying mm-hmm. a trillion. Not a half a trillion. Yeah, 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 yeah a yeah. trillion. So yeah. Yeah, this is completely. I mean, the price tag is, is just unbelievable. That would take the Biden accumulation of debt to like five trillion in twenty one months. I mean, this is this is just suspension of disbelief on steroids times infinity. Liz, yeah. I asked Andy McCarthy. We did something completely different than this, but in the last two minutes, I said I want to take this for a test drive because we were going to be doing it later, and I said to him about all of this. And his answer, as usual, because he's Andy McCarthy, was very, very smart. Here's what he also – we went into could they get away with doing it while all this – unless you get some order to show cause, which is what they call it at the local level, but some kind of stay to yeah. stop it. Because in other words, if this just starts getting litigated and they start forgiving, you know they've already forgiven yeah. billions already. Yeah. There's nobody going to be sending out bills to rebill for what they, they already paid off. So what if they get away with doing it all and then they lose after the fact? Yeah, I uh, know it, it's totally targeted at the upcoming midterm elections. And I think you're totally right. It could end up kind of slowly dragging through the courts, I, uh, although I'm guessing that there will be some mechanism for appealing to a higher court to put a stay on it uh, because – it's a little bit like DACA, right? I mean, you're going to have tens of millions of people in limbo, not knowing what their situation is, not knowing what their financials are, et cetera. So I, I would think there'd be some motivation for the court system to respond quickly. Uh, worst case for Republicans is, yes, they start uh, – <laughs> well, let me back up, uh, uh, Harry, and say this, though. It, my research indicates that they're not ready for this program. This is another Biden measure, which they're not prepared to actually enable. Uh, they don't have the financial information on most of the people who might apply. Uh, and and so I think 8 million or something like that are ready to actually uh, step up and take advantage of this. So there will be, I think, only a fraction of the ultimate beneficiaries who can actually participate um, so it may not be rolled out quite as quickly as we think, no matter what. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. The ultimate risk is that we sort of dribble out here yep. and it kind of gets ingrained uh, and it isn't stoppable. It is. Exactly. Exactly. Liz Peek on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline. 
In terms of net-net, though, let's go through this. If you're parents that have paid Parent PLUS loans, you don't like this. How, yeah. how are you getting a bill for, for, for something you didn't – a loan you didn't take out? If, if you were somebody that went to uh, trade school and you had no intentions of going to college and you're now paying for the college kids – that you, you went a different path. You have to pay for that now. So you're not happy with it. And I even submit to you people that will only get $10,000 or 20000 if you have a Pell Grant. They're going to say it's not enough. I think Joe Biden has spectacularly done what he's done for 50-plus years. He'll manage to upset everyone. Who is going to be happy for this? And with this. Well, I totally agree. I mean, again, let's go back to the fact that there's a minority of the country that goes to college uh, and a minority of that group or some portion of that group uh, has worked very hard to pay off their loans and their parents have worked hard to pay off their loans. I think they I mean, I agree with you. I think they're going to anger more people then they're going to help. And by the way, it isn't just the unfairness here. It is also the inflationary aspect. I mean, we now, as of Friday, inflation is back center stage, right? Uh, For several weeks, as gasoline prices came down uh, and also interest rates began to come down again, people were sort of saying, well, maybe the inflation thing is over. It peaked. You know, the numbers are going to be better. And maybe the Fed is actually going to engineer a soft landing. Okay, what we heard Friday is there is probably no soft landing. We probably are going to plunge into recession Mm -hmm. for those people out there who don't think we're already in recession, i.e. things are about to get worse. And what (laughs) – here's the stupidity. Most Americans think that inflation is being caused by too much spending. So to your point, when they hear these half-trillion-dollar or trillion-dollar estimates for this bailout – Everyone is going to be incredibly angry, not yes. just because they're not beneficiaries immediately, but also because it's going to hurt the economy and right. hurt their standard of living. I totally agree. And before we get to this incredible column that everyone should read, and I love The Wish Upon a Star because I'm a huge Disney fan. Full disclosure, I'm a Disney Vacation Club owner. I'm <laughs> not in love, though, with uh, because Disney was not woke when I bought it's woke, broke, and a joke right now. But I love, I love the um, the vibe in the column, the Wish Upon a Star. We'll get to that in a moment. But let me ask you something. I just want to torture a point. I went back in time. The last ten times that we have had two consecutive quarters of negative GDP, it's always end of story, checkmate. It's over. Uh, it's a it's a recession. If yeah. Trump were the president. And there were the same circumstances. (laughs) Do you think they would get away with torturing the English language and saying, oh, there's new factors now because unemployment's low and and the cat had kittens and and all this stuff is going on? So we actually are – I'm not going to fall for that. I don't want it to be because I want my country to be great and to do great. But this is a recession by every definition we've ever honored and held to. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it's a ridiculous thing. Yeah. I went back to World War II. It, the the answer is we've had a recession. It was very short, very yeah. uh, painless in terms of jobs and the impact on jobs. Uh, that's not to say that we can't, by the way, have positive growth in the third quarter and then go back into recession. That's, that's quite true. a plausible that is scenario. True. Yeah, and, um, and you raise a very good point that we don't even find out about a recession until it's over. We get correct. told we were in a recession. It started this date, and it ended on this date. All right, let's get so we can have a good five minutes on this. Let's get to the article. It's on foxnews.com, so check it out. It talks about the Democrats' spin of Biden's so-called successes. I don't know. I mean, just because you pass something, 
uh, they get to call it, you know, a, a great success. And wish upon a star for midterm magic, but don't you believe it, says the great Liz Peak. And I agree with you. I think there's a whole lot of phoniness going on right now. It reminds me a lot of 1994, where the media is pretending, the Democrat media, that Democrats are going to actually win. Now they say Democrats may actually win the House. Yeah, I, I don't not. believe that's ever happening on November 8th. What say you? Oh, no, I, I totally agree. I think uh, that they're taking a few data points and extrapolating a success, which is not going to be theirs. I don't think at this point that the uh, Republicans have quite as strong a surge going on as they did. It'd be hard to have that because everything that Joe Biden did went wrong and south for months on end. And needless to say, that redounded to the benefit of Republicans who were critical of almost everything he was doing, and rightly so. Uh, Yes, Joe Biden's had a little breathing room here because they did pass something, even though more on that in a moment. Uh, but also, you know, because gasoline prices went down 70 days in a row. I mean, that is pretty compelling. Everyone was watching that number. Okay, here is the bad news for Joe Biden. Oil prices have stabilized. In fact, they started to go back up again. There are a lot of black swan events that could impact that, including OPEC cutting output, which they've already talked about. Oil prices are going down. It should be noted because we have economic problems almost everywhere. In Europe, they're on the brink of recession. China's economy is terrible. Their oil imports are the lowest they've been in years. So it isn't because Joe Biden did something spectacular. And by the way, even that's going to be an interesting situation. Supposedly, the drawdown of the SBR, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, ends in October. So we'll see what happens there, right? Because if you all of a sudden take a million barrels a day and stop and basically take that out of the supply, oil prices pop overnight. Yeah. I My still, guess is yeah. that won't really happen until November. Right. Just guessing. Uh, but, you know, there are other things that can offset that. So, uh, but, I, but I still say, Liz, if I was paying two dollars a gallon before you got here, and you jacked it way up to five, six, seven, and beyond per gallon, and now it's down fifty to seventy-five cents a gallon, depending on the state. I don't know how many people are saying, "Hey, great job! You know, you doubled and a half the the price, but now it's down about fifty or seventy-five cents." I still think there's a lot of pain at the pump, well, and the reason it's down seventy cents. A gallon is because less people are driving yeah, less. Yeah, it's a self-correcting market. Yeah. But here's the bad news for the White House. We're about to enter into the, the uh, winter heating season. Gasoline is a yeah. summer phenomenon. Mm. Now we're looking at natural gas, which is double the price it was a year ago. Yeah. So as people begin to look at their utility bills over the coming months, they are going to be stunned by the increase in what it takes to heat their homes. So we've well, kind of gone from one problem to the next. And I don't think that, uh, you know, I mean, Jay Powell's aware of that, that because this is going to be driving inflation, as are many other factors, uh, including the fact that some uh, agricultural commodities are, are now again going up in price. So inflation's not over. It's not behind us. I think over the next several weeks, we'll see indications of that. Um, but in any case, it, that it isn't all about inflation. Uh, to, let's talk about that bill. The Inflation Reduction Act is a lie. It's a fraud. It doesn't. It doesn't reduce inflation. Uh, it isn't going to reduce the deficit. What it does do is spend three hundred sixty-nine billion dollars on climate change. And if you're a middle American uh, voter right now, you're thinking, okay, they've just shafted me with 
uh, this bailout of student loans. Meanwhile, what is the Democrats' big achievement? A big climate change bill that I could care less about. So I think there's just, you know, I think that the the White House is sort of off course. I think the country's off course. Seventy three percent of the country thinks so. Um, but all those numbers, they got a little temporary reprieve. I think it starts going back the other way, maybe, by the way, because of this student loan bill, which very few people like. It's so incredible, and they, they, yeah. that they're lost right now because they really, like you said, they're not ready to really uh, uh, roll it out, and there's a lot of blowback. And every Democrat that's in a close race, yes. they, they, that, that's what every American should say, hey, look what they're doing. Yeah, we're, they're da- we're down to 30 seconds. How do they get away with calling things a climate health care bill, Inflation Reduction Act. How do they do this and get away with this? Very simply, they have the liberal media on their side in all of this. They can lie with impunity because that's what they do. And the New York Times and the Washington Post will back them up. It's a horror for our country that the media is so complicit in this deception and dishonesty rolled out by the White House. It really is, I think, a tragedy uh, and a disgrace. Watch Liz Peek on the Fox News channel. Listen to Liz Peek on on Fox News Radio and read Liz Peek at foxnews.com. Good to talk to you, Liz. Hey, always. Thanks so much for having me on. You're welcome. We'll be right back. Much more important content because this is The Guy Benson Show. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. We're here to say that the era of Trump and Zeldin and Molinaro, just jump on a bus and head down to Florida where you belong, okay? Get out of town. Get out of town. Because you, re- you don't represent our values. You are not New Yorkers. You're not New Yorkers. These unimaginable Democrats, they believe they are the arbiters of who, who doesn't even get to be an American or who has to leave the state. Imagine telling people... Go to Florida, not only telling them to get out, get the hell, get the hell out, but and t- telling you where to go. But the Democrats and it starts right at the top with President Biden. They are trashing Republicans. We've never had this level of vitriol extended to American voters. And it starts right at the top. Cut one. The president, Dan. We're at a serious moment in our nation's history. The MAGA Republicans don't just threaten our personal rights and economic security. They're a threat to our very democracy. They refuse to accept the will of the people. They embrace, embrace political violence. They don't believe in democracy. Charlie Chris, Democratic nominee for governor in Florida, cut 32. Those who support the governor should stay with him and vote for him. And I don't want your vote. If you have that hate in your heart, keep it there. I want the vote of the people of Florida who care about our state. Good Democrats, good independents, good Republicans, unify with this ticket. Now, they are the ones hating, and the people that they are calling haters are not hating upon anyone. It's crazy. One of the best in the business, Greg Jarrett, joins us next on The Guy Benson Show. o'clock in the most powerful city in the world, Washington, D.C. It's time for the Guy Benson Show Happy Hour, sponsored by the Finnish Long Drink. Finland's most popular alcoholic beverage has come to America. Visit thelongdrink.com. And now, here's your host, Guy Benson. 
Welcome to the Guy Benson Show, partnering with Christine Wyatt and Dan. I'm Harry Hurley, filling in today for Guy, who will be back in the very near future. Guy comes back on Thursday. Now, this qualifies uh, as the Guy Benson Show happy hour, because whenever I have the opportunity to interview Greg Jarrett, it makes me happy. So this is indeed a qualifier. Makes me feel good. I like to play by the rules. Greg Jarrett is a Fox News legal analyst and commentator, formerly worked as a defense attorney and adjunct law professor. He is the author of the number one New York Times bestselling book, The Russia Hoax, The Illicit Scheme to Clear Hillary Clinton and Frame Donald Trump. And for the record, Greg Jarrett was not only right, he was spot on right. And Greg Jarrett was right for years before the truth finally caught up with the lies. Greg Jarrett, welcome to Guy's program. Harry, thanks very much for the nice introduction. I appreciate it. Good talking to you. Earned, my friend. Now, I want to ask you, because you're the lawyer on the panel, isn't a general search warrant that basically says, hey, we want to be able to just touch and take anything we want from January 20th, you know where I'm going, 2017 through January 20th, 2021, isn't that unconstitutional? Oh, absolutely. An unlimited warrant, a general warrant, is a violation of the Fourth Amendment. Uh, And that amendment uh, demands that warrants, quote, particularly describe the place to be searched and the things to be seized, end of quote. Uh, So, you know, to be valid, the warrant has to specify exact locations within a home and explicitly identify documents sought. Uh, But that's not what, you know, Garland, the attorney general, did. He snookered a magistrate down in Florida uh, who's not a regular federal court judge with a general warrant. Now, the magistrate should have known better. He should have said, wait a minute, you're, you're, you're saying the FBI can go in any structure or building. They can seize any uh, boxes, uh, even those that end up uh, being covered by attorney-client privilege and executive privilege. And that's what they did. Uh, and, you know, it was an egregious violation of the Constitution. And, and you know, frankly, there's a, the next court hearing is on Thursday in front of a, a different judge, a regular federal district court judge. And, and I suspect that that may be one of the topics that comes up in Trump's request for a special master. Do you, you think this judge, Aileen Cannon, is looking at this completely differently? She hasn't guaranteed it, but she has telegraphed that she's inclined to appoint a special master. Now, I like that idea, Greg, but the problem is, hasn't the DOJ gotten their eyeballs in their hands over everything that they took from Trump? So by the time there's a special master, maybe the special master says, hey, look, you had these three passports of President Trump. You have attorney-client privilege documents you shouldn't have. You shouldn't have this. You shouldn't have that. Well, they've got it all, and they've seen it all. Yeah, they have. And in fact, that was in Garland's court filing today uh, with that federal district court judge. Uh, he said, we, well, we've no need for a special master. We've already looked at it. And don't worry, uh, we used a filter team or a taint team wow. to the, ensure the documents were properly protected and that uh, my prosecutors have not looked at them. Yeah, right. Tomorrow is Christmas, too. (laughs) 
Uh, I mean, these so-called taint teams are themselves tainted. They're a charade. They pretend to be objective. They're not uh, because they're all on the same team. Right. They, they pick the referee, Greg. They pick the yeah. referee. They're, they're like paying the referee. They're clothing the referee. Yeah. It's like cops investigating cops. It's fair and name only. So when Garland says, oh, trust us, uh, don't do it. He doesn't deserve our trust. Now, how does it work, again, you being the attorney and us listening to the experts speak on these kinds of things, how does it work with respect to if anything, if the fruit is poison? In other words, if they've got stuff they shouldn't have, does that does that just taint the whole deal? Well, it depends. Look, um, let's say just hypothetically that charges are brought against Trump. Uh, you're right. Fruit of the poisonous tree. If you are the government and you misuse your authority under what's known as the exclusionary rule, if you whatever you grabbed, if it was an unreasonable search and seizure, as I've described, uh, then all of the evidence is is excluded. It's thrown out. You can't use it. So, uh, you know, that's the hypothetical. Now, do I think that Trump is going to be criminally charged under the ridiculous three statutes cited by Garland? Uh, absolutely not. You'd have to be an idiot uh, and a fool to charge him under that. Yeah. But then, wait, Garland is an idiot. And yeah. So it could so, happen. Who knows? But, and wouldn't that yeah. bring back Hillary Clinton, 30-some thousand documents, documents that were under subpoena, devices that were under federal subpoena, pickaxes, bleach bit? What did I wipe it with a cloth? Remember all that lies? Oh, uh, yeah. So that would just bring all that back. Like, come on. Comey said no reasonable prosecutor. Give me a break. But you're going to do it to this guy. So I'm with you. I'm in the, Gre- the Greg Jarrett court. Uh, they're not going to do it. There, there was another reason for this. I believe it was to change the subject. The, the midterms were – and they're still going to go bad for the Democrats, but they needed a Hail Mary is my story, Greg. You tell me if you're going to buy into any of this. And they, they do this thing, whatever it is, 80 days, whatever it is, from the election. They do it to completely change the subject and to make Trump the subject and not the last two years of failed policies. And then, of course – Maybe they get in there for nine and a half hours uh, and and pull out some help for the January 6th committee because it's not going very well for them either, as you know. Uh, So what do you think of that theory? Harry, you're right on both points, that this was a pretext to go in there, ransack the joint, try to find something, anything maybe related to January 6th. And I think your other point that they, they want to run in the midterm elections against Donald Trump because yep. they really can't run on their, you know, their policies. Uh, the border is a chaotic mess. Crime has skyrocketed across America. Biden hasn't done anything about it. Uh, and, of course, people vote their wallets. And inflation is really badly hurting Americans everywhere, buying groceries, filling up their tanks. Um, And then, of course, the latest ploy, I wrote a column about this a couple of days ago, uh, Joe Biden's student uh, loan cancellation. It was was nothing but a lawless ploy to buy votes. He has no authority to do that. Uh, He did it anyway, but that's the consistent pattern. He's done this with other things, including, you know, the moratorium on evictions, the race-based farm program, 
moratorium on deportation, all this stuff uh, was was thrown out by the higher courts, including the Supreme Court, COVID mandate. He knew he couldn't do it. He did it anyway. And of course, he was knocked down. So this is yet another you know, ploy by Biden to buy votes. But he's you know, he is usurping the authority of Congress to do it. We are visiting with Fox News legal correspondent, contributor Greg Jarrett, bet number one, New York Times bestselling author, uh, phenomenal read. If it's not in your library, it should be because he called it called it years in advance. You saw it. You saw it for what it was. Even some of the bad actors that were submitting phony FISA uh, warrants to the um, to the FISA court. I mean, just applications rather just just terrible. What about this? You're a lawyer. You're an officer of the court. You're a great lawyer and a great legal mind. What is it? How do you feel? Take out a, Greg Jarrett, the journalist, the investigative reporter, the best-selling author. How do you feel as an officer of the court that obviously the Department of Justice is leaking like a sieve to the Washington Post, to the New York Times? I mean, that that's that's terrible form. I know this sounds Pollyanna, but that's terrible that they do that. And you don't hear Merrick Garland saying this better stop. I'm going to prosecute anybody who's doing it. This is their decided strategy, isn't it? Oh, it absolutely is. Uh, you know, this this is a guy who stood in his four minute news conference uh, and said, I speak through my court filings. Yes. And then he heavily redacted the most important filing of all. Uh, the affidavit. Um, and at the same time, he's whispering into the ears of liberal media outlets that then promptly trash Trump, yeah. you know, with ludicrous allegations of espionage and treason, all of it coming from, you know, the Wallace uh, warrant and search and seizure. So, uh, you know, this is Merrick Garland is a guy who should not be trusted. He doesn't deserve our trust. You know, he, he's been running a protection racket for yeah. Hunter and Joe Biden. He's also he's very been, scorned, isn't he, Greg? A scorned man because oh, yeah. he thinks he should be on that Supreme Court for life, and he knows it's never going to happen. Yeah, he's getting his pound of flesh. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the same guy who treats concerned parents who go to school board meetings to complain as domestic terrorists, yeah. and he refuses to enforce the law when protesters threaten conservative justice on, on, on the Supreme Court, which is a you know, criminal violation. Did he arrest anybody? Of course he didn't. If they were uh, liberal justices, my goodness, they'd be behind bars. But this, you know, trust, forget about it. Trust is earned. Merrick Garland has squandered uh, trust in America. Agreed. Greg Jarrett on The Guy Benson Show for a few more minutes on The Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline. Let's make it count. Three minutes uh, countdown here. In terms of the special master, now it's true. You said it. It's in the filing. Annie McCarthy said it earlier on the uh, Guy Benson show, and I, I concur completely. They've seen everything. They've had their hands all over everything. So the special master coming now is after they already have – who knows? They've seen everything. They, they, they've got everything they want, helped out the, nine, the, the January 6th committee, whatever they're doing. They've done it all. But I still think the special master counts, and, and I think just – the um, the judge Aileen Cannon saying to the DOJ, hey, I advise you to give President Trump more details on what you seized, because after all, he's the one that said, hey, you took three passports from me, even though Nora O'Donnell said, oh, no, I have great. They make Trump the liar all the time. Oh, I have great DOJ sources. They didn't take any passports. No, they took three. And he also said they took 
attorney-client privilege documents, which a lot of the Democrat media scoffed at. No, no way they would have taken attorney-client privilege. Well, they did that, too, because, as you know, and I think it's because this judge ordered them to disclose, and they knew there was going to be this special master. It's going to come out anyhow. So that's why I think they came clean and said, yeah, and we also took some attorney-client privilege uh, information. I, I think Trump is winning in terms of proving how completely strategic and political this is. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. And I, I think this, this uh, federal district court judge should order a, a special master anyway. Yeah. I think she should say, I don't give a damn that you, you, know, you have a taint team. Um, to me, a taint team is irrelevant. I want a special master independently and neutrally uh, selected. Uh, with not a vested interest and a glaring conflict of interest within the DOJ to take a look at these documents, because I don't trust that you didn't hang on to documents that don't belong to you. So I, you know, I hope that's what this judge will do. I think any honest, reasonable, good judge would do that. Yeah. Uh, a minute and a half, Greg. I think this is one of the most important questions you can shed some light on. I have my own theory, but I, I really trust your judgment and your legal expertise in terms of how long do they keep this hanging over President Trump's head? We saw how many years Russia collusion. That was four or five years. Do they leave this hanging out there, of course, through the midterms? He's not getting indicted before the midterms. I don't believe that. Some people say that. Uh, and I say they keep it alive for the entire presidential election campaign. What do you say? Uh, I, I think you're probably on the right track. Um you know, I have a rule of thumb when whatever Andrew Weissman, the nefarious lead member of Mueller's team of partisans, says uh, the opposite is true. Yep. Weissman hauled off the other uh, day and said, oh, absolutely. Trump's going to be indicted uh, over this. Yeah, that makes the opposite race. true. Yeah, that means the opposite is automatically true. But I, I do think they want to use this as a political cudgel to bludgeon Republicans generally uh, through Trump. And they'll and they also want and, and Greg, don't they also want to make it? They know he's running and they know he at least wants to run. They're going to make it. You've got the Republican nominee under federal criminal investigation. That's what they want. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think you're absolutely right about that. Um, they can't win honestly. And so they want to try to win dishonestly uh, with uh, the taint of uh, scandal and legal impropriety. Uh, You know, at its core, this is a dispute over documents under the Federal Records Act, and the proper remedy is not a criminal search warrant, but it is a civil enforcement proceeding in court. That's what Merrick Garland should have done. He knows that, but he wanted to get in there so that he could rummage through everything in in Trump's office and, and home. That's what went on here. Great to visit with you, Greg. Be well, my friend. Thank you, Harry. Good talking to you as always. Good talking to you. He is, I'm telling you, he is the best at what he does. He's got it. He's got it right every time. Listen to what the other side says. Listen to what Greg Jarrett says. He always turns out to be the one that was telling the truth the whole time. We'll be right back. This is The Guy Benson Show. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. 
A year later, there remain tens of thousands of Afghans who were brought to the United States during the evacuation who still need their legal status settled so they can stay in the U.S. One who doesn't, this is baby Gila Rasuli. She's an American born in the U.S. on August 16th, just one year and one day after the fall of Kabul. Her father is Afghan interpreter Zabiullah Johnny Rasuli, who served five years with the 82nd Airborne. Last year, there were cheers when Johnny and his wife Farzana and their three young daughters finally arrived on American soil. They had help from Senators Tom Tillis and Chris Coons and the wife of Army Sergeant Michael Verado, Sarah Verado. Johnny was Mike's translator in Afghanistan. Verado was injured in 2010 in two separate IED attacks. He lost limbs and has been through more than 100 surgeries. Now the children of both families play on the same soccer team and even go trick-or-treating together. They represent the very best of America. Outstanding. Jennifer Griffin, and that was uh, tweeted and retweeted by our own Wyatt and that is and and why it said it so well the best of america i repeat the best of america when we come back we're not doing this to um rile you up but we're going to share with you on the guy benson show in just a few minutes four things that used to be free and they were always free it went along with the deal like if you did this you got this not anymore. It's not only the inflation that's choking the life out of the American people and the economy. It's all the things that used to, that used to serve full meals on planes. Now you pay for the seat. It's really incredible stuff. We've got a lot to share with you coming up. This is the happy hour. It is the Guy Benson Show. Talking about the issues you care about. Guy Benson. It is the Guy Benson Show. Harry filling in for Guy with Christine Wyatt and Dan. And I'm not going to do this behind Guy's back. When he gets back, you tell him this wasn't happy. This topic is not happy. Because things that used to... We're going to do two topics that aren't happy, unfortunately, during the happy hour. The first is a list of four items. Wall Street Journal has some excellent reporting on this. And everybody listening has dealt with this in, in... one way or another. Preferred airline seating. I would even go one step further. In in the coverage they call it preferred seating. You're paying you're paying for basically any seat on the plane unless you want to make a reservation and I don't encourage anyone to do this and not have a seat and get your seat assigned at the airport. Then you could save a little bit, but you're rolling the dice that there won't even be a seat for you. You think, oh, I got the ticket. You, so you have to get the seat. And you're not just paying. I mean, if it's the big seats up front uh, that the one carrier does, they used to be $50. They're now beyond $175. I've seen it 185 coming from somewhere that I go to somewhere that I go. And now a friend of mine is going during a holiday. It was $275, I think. That, so if you think you got a great deal on your ticket – Start adding the bags. You used to be able to walk on with a bag or check a bag in. Now it actually, believe it or not, it costs more to carry your own bag onto the plane than it does to check your bag in. But both both measures do charge you to do that. So you're paying for your ticket. You're paying other 
taxes and fees. You're paying for your seat. You're paying for the bags. It's really unbelievable. Uh, how about when you went to the hotel? The pool and the spa, that was always, I mean, if you want to get a massage or some kind of treatment or something, you might pay extra. But they're charging now, not all, but some, many, for the hotel pool. You've already paid for the, the, the room. And that's supposed to give you certain privileges. It always was that way until it wasn't. Inflation charges at restaurants. It's happening all over the place. How about when you order something for delivery, there's a gasoline surcharge on top of it. It's not even on our list of four things, but you know it's true. So you're, play, you're paying an inflation charge at restaurants and for items that you purchase. And, yes, even a surcharge at the movies, which really is pretty cool that because movie theaters and Hollywood have had a record summer as Americans began to live again – and instead of doing everything on your DVR and doing it digitally that way or on any device that you watch your movies and things on, people started going back to the movies again. I know uh, producer Dan was just talking to me about Top Gun, Maverick. I went to Top Gun, Maverick. And now you have to go to IMAX. It's spectacular. And I will tell you I bought the movie, uh, pre-ordered it, and have watched it a couple of times since it's been available now at home. What the movies are doing, 3,000 movie theaters in America are going to have one day where it's like a thank you for a record summer. Three dollars. How about that throwback? And, of course, you know the food and the beverage costs more than going to the movie. And now last but not least, and I've left enough time to be able to do a quality job with this, because sort of a nickname of mine, it's, I've never said it publicly, I don't think. Uh, so I'll make this breaking news announcement like Andy McCarthy did a few hours ago on The Guy Benson Show when he broke news. Uh, and he was being facetious about something. But this is actually true. Uh, I am referred to as the Disney Yoda. I love Disney World. But I will tell you, in recent years, they're trying my every nerve my patience, way too woke. And what they've been doing is, and if they don't think people are paying attention, now to show you that I have Disney cred, I bought a membership a long time ago. It's called Disney Vacation Club. Loved it so much, I bought a second. Still loved it so much, I bought a third. So I have cred when it comes to Disney World. I've never been to Disneyland. Uh, multiple, Two of our three children have and we're all going to go to Disneyland. But keep in mind, when you go to Disneyland, I'm spoiled. You can put everything that exists in Disneyland in the parking lot of the Magic Kingdom. Just to give you an idea how much Walt Disney and his vision, how much he expanded from Disneyland to Disney World. That's the only reason I really haven't been in a rush to go. It's great, but everything is, I mean, like I said, you could fit it all in the parking lot of the Magic Kingdom. It still makes it a big area, but you're talking about four parks at Disney World uh, and all kinds of other Disney um, springs. There's just so much where I prefer to go to, to Disney World in Florida than I would Disneyland. So anyhow, some of the things that used to be free, if you were an annual pass holder, which we are, you had free transportation. It was called 
Disney Magical Express. And on the way home, we as a family called it Disney Tragical Express. Because like anything, going there is always more fun than leaving. So Magical Express, Tragical Express. That's gone. Now you pay. You pay an Uber or you pay uh, some service that they're going to be providing. You used to be able to reserve three Fast Pass reservations. They had some restrictions, almost like a menu, one from column A. So you couldn't get any three, but you had pretty good access to, to get on to what you wanted to get on. And you could make those reservations 60 days in advance, three of them. And when you did them, you could then book another one right from your app. Well, now they have this thing called Genie Plus, and I'm, I'm just going to tell you, it's terrible. They charge you a ton for it. per person per day. But then there are certain rides that you're now paying. Now, you've already either paid your daily ticket or if you have an annual pass, either a Florida resident that has an annual pass or a Disney Vacation Club member like my family where we have the annual pass and we get the park hopper. And they even made that tricky that you can't park hop like you used to. That's another cut in pay, if you will. But how about this? The Magic Band. Now, pretty soon, I think you're just going to do it from your digital device, and they're already working on that technology now. But the Magical Band, and of course, I loved it. They they got a racket going where if you wanted something beyond basic colors, you would pay for it. If you wanted some kind of personalized thing, you get your name on it. I'm all for that. Listen, I love the free market, and they really monetize that beautifully. But now they charge you for the basic band. You do get, I think you get a break on certain colors if you're an annual pass holder or a DVC member. They even took away the photo pass. That was a benefit that either an annual pass holder or a DVC member uh, received. I don't remember which one because we have them both. But that's gone. Now you pay $100 a year for something that you got for free. Some people maybe don't go, but once a year if you're lucky, 100 hours. If you went a lot of times, once a quarter, whatever, you know, you're getting some more value for it. But you would just scan your band right at the uh, photographer, take your picture in front of the Magic Kingdom, uh, Cinderella's Castle, or at Epcot in front of Spaceship Earth, and all of that. Now you pay for it, uh, and they keep taking away. I believe at some point I had a very nice conversation with a manager, a high-ranking manager at Disney World, and said, do you, do you understand what you're doing here? I said, you're talking to somebody that's one of the happiest, it's the happiest place on earth, and I'm one of your happiest clients. I said, you're turning me off because you're just hitting the customer between the eyes at every turn. Now, I didn't go over all the changes, but just add up those changes. The free trip is anywhere from... 35 to 70 or more dollars, depending on how busy it is that time of year, how expensive Uber is at that time. So those are the things that are happening right now where people, I think, are taking advantage of customers, things that used to be free that no longer are. When we come back, the entire team, executive producer Christine, associate producer Wyatt, the great Dan, and yours truly, 
we go back and forth on an issue, I'm going to keep it a secret until we get there. But don't leave. It's going to be a great conversation because this is the happy hour and this is The Guy Benson Show. Guy Benson will be right back. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley partnering with Christine Wyatt and Dan. Now, we bragged earlier that Wyatt had a great topic, and and I think we did a great job on that. And now this topic was suggested by executive producer Christine. Oh, this is going to be so much fun. Uh, Some of us on the panel are parents. Some of us are not. Uh, Christine and I are both parents. Uh, I know Dan is not. And I'm not. Wyatt, is Wyatt a parent or no? I don't think so. Uh, No. So here we go. Landmark law. Landmark. Because after all, children, students, middle schoolers and high schoolers being able to, to sleep longer, this is landmark law. Christine, you get the first comment. So basically what people are trying to do in certain states and in certain school districts is push back the school start time because (laughs) studies have shown that um, children, when they get a full eight hours of sleep, are actually doing better. The attendance is increasing and they're doing better on tests and um, they generally seem happier. Why are you laughing about this, Harry? Well, because I'm thinking about how it used to be because you had to be asleep by a certain time or at least go into bed by a certain time. And I think we're at a point in time in American history, I could be wrong, but I don't think I'm wrong, where children stay up later than they used to. So therefore, the corrective action is to move the the start time of school has kind of been where it's been at for generations. We're going to move the start time because people are staying up later. Isn't that about right? Um, I think there's more to it. I mean, I was like reading a lot about the, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but your, uh, circadian, like, you know, your circadian. Yes. Thank you. Circadian. So it's basically like you're waking, if you're waking up, you know, in the dark and don't forget, like a lot of schools start pretty early. These kids are not functioning properly. They're probably not having, you know, a healthy breakfast or even breakfast at all because they're rushing. You know, I know I see a difference in my daughter when she wakes up on her own versus when I have to wake her up. Now, I get it. That's not life in the real world. But actually, it could be. It could be. But you get to decide. But I will say I, I am I am open to this as a parent. Our children are not in school anymore. But as a parent, as a grandparent who who he is in school. Uh, And as a former school board member, I do understand that things do change. Look at the technology that's available. Everybody's plugged in. It's really hard to, even if someone goes into bed at a certain time, it's very hard to, you're you're wired. It's very hard to, to get to the point where you're ready to sleep. So I think there are a lot of students with great parents that go into their bedroom at a reasonable time, but don't fall asleep for several or many hours. 100%. We try to put Megan to bed at a reasonable hour, but there's just going to be times where she just can't fall asleep or, you know, something's distracting. So I just think, I know it sounds crazy and obviously people are going to laugh because California is the first state to make it into a law, but New Jersey is, and New York, they're really contemplating this. I think we're we're always right behind. California does it first. (laughs) 
<laughs> and then New Jersey and New York always follow. Uh, I, I think at first blush, people will trash this, but it's defendable. And you've done a good job explaining it. Uh, and you see it. If you have a student, a child who wakes up the next morning and they're exhausted and it was very hard getting them to school, whether they take a bus or whether you take them to school or they walk to school, whatever, uh, and you see them so tired, it does affect test scores. It does affect their production and their performance in the classroom. I really don't have that big a problem. And I will say when I was in high school, the freshmen were given two study periods at the beginning. We didn't have to go into school until 10 o'clock. Uh, and I think they were getting you ready for high school, from middle school at that point. And then as you got older, you had the study periods towards the end and your day ended earlier. But I think there is something to all the points made that this sounds like a joke. It sounds woke. It sounds California-like. But I, I do get it. Uh, if, if, you got, if you got a later start, you would get more sleep and you can make the case that you would be more productive. Let's see if Wyatt and uh, Dan would like to weigh in. Wyatt? Um, I, I don't know how I feel about this. I mean, I was in high school not too long ago, a few years ago. So, I mean, it, I think it depends. But, I mean, I would like to get it over with. I like that, you know, especially when, when it starts to get uh, um, lighter out earlier and then fall comes and it gets darker out. I mean, I, I would rather get out of school as early as possible. So, I mean, me Good being point. someone who wakes up early, I would wake up extra early, get school done, and – and be home. My my why my retort to that would be that a lot, if not most, do extra and co-curricular activities. So you're waiting around till that starts anyhow. Uh, practice meets, uh, games, things like that. Uh, so I don't know getting out early if it really gets you out early, or if maybe starting later would take you right to, because the, there are start times for all these different things. So I think they're starting later, uh, and you might go right to your your sport or your extra or co-curricular activity uh, sooner than you would have uh, if the day ends a little bit later. Christine, I, I, I know that it says it, that, that the law, the public high schools cannot attend classes uh, before 8.30 a.m., no earlier than 8 a.m. for middle schoolers and things like that. Uh, people were wondering, hey, how's this going in effect on July 1st? That's always, for some reason, the school year begins on July 1st, and I think it's because the school year typically ends in June, although down south, uh, the calendar is very differently. Dan? I don't know. I'm a little torn. I mean, I, I was in high school a lot longer ago than Wyatt. I can say that. Um, but I do remember waking up early and thinking it was so early. Yep. But I played sports, too. So I remember we had to we had to do workouts before we even went into classes. So I, I was up before the sun was even out and kind of on my way to school. So I think, you know, builds character. Go to bed a little earlier. It's fine. I had to go to bed at like 8 o'clock, 8.30, go to bed a little earlier, and then wake up early, and, uh, you know, you'll be good. I am persuadable at this point. I went, when I first talked to Christine about the topic, I laughed because I, I, I have to get past my predisposed bias of California that they want to cancel, you know, Thomas Jefferson and George Washington and, and things like that, paint over this iconic painting of, of Washington with Native Americans. I mean, crazy stuff that they want to do. You got to get past that. In order to take it seriously. But, Christine, I think you made a good accounting for this for this concept. Oh, thank you. I appreciate yes. that. But can I just say one thing? Not to, you know, attack our Wyatt. But 
You can't go by what Wyatt says, Harry. He wakes up at the crack of dawn every morning and goes and watches the sunrise. Hey. He's not a typical kid. So we, we, we have to discount whatever he's saying because he is with Wall Street Journal in hand, you know, sitting at 445 at the beach waiting for the sun to rise. That's a, Wyatt, that's a takedown, and we don't have time for a retort. Uh, we'll just leave with that very um, interesting finale to the program. Just time for me to say... To executive producer Christine, thanks for tossing me the keys to the Guy Benson Lamborghini for today's test drive. I enjoyed it. This is The Guy Benson Show. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.